0: Welcome once again to the devotional. This is lesson number six for December 6th. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, the, le- the lesson days match the dates, uh, which is cool. Uh, this is for Thursday, December 6th, and uh, um, this lesson uh, is proving quite rich for me. Um, Today, I've uh, retitled it, it's called Restoration and Unity, in this uh, straight out of Matthew 18, 15 through 17, very well familiar passage. Um, I like to call it the unity equation. This week I was reviewing some uh, math um, resources, Uh, there's uh, an app called Khan Academy, and I just felt impressed to review things like algebra, and I don't know why... (laughs) Uh, it just felt like reviewing it and, and knowing it. I guess maybe I'm thinking ahead. Gianna will one day ask me for help with homework, and I don't want to be like, uh, I uh, I want to have to be able to help her. <laughs> uh, so I guess it's me still wanting to be a hero for my daughter and the the next one too, when when eventually she gets there too. But ma- math has been in my mind, and when I saw this Matthew 18, I saw it and I saw it as an equation. You know, two, uh, and then in parentheses, <laughs> two plus two or one or two elders, plus or you, 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 another line, the church. Um, whenever there's a tear, whenever there's a wound within the church, whenever a brother sins against you, the the lesson the Bible presents, you know, try to solve it at that at that level. Try to minimize it. Try to keep the damage as as minimal as possible. Pray, fast, prepare your heart so that as the brother. Reacts, you know, hopefully they react positively, but there may be a chance they'll get angry be like, what are you talking about? I don't have a problem. You have a problem Those are very provocative statements, right? And you and I are humans and our blood can boil just as quickly as anyone else's and You need to be prepared. I need to be prepared to respond with kindness with patience to try to Get to see and help the other person see that I'm not out to wound you. I'm actually wanting reconciliation and there is a level of discomfort because there has to be some confrontation, right? There has to be some awareness as to why or how there's this fracture developed between us. And I have the, in that equation, right, uh, two, hopefully that's where, as far as the equation goes. But if it doesn't get solved, right, if you don't uh, get the, the right result that you want, which is reconciliation, then you have to go to the next step. Um, you bring one or two elders with you. And if that doesn't help, then you bring it to the church. And I really appreciate how the lesson, you you should read the whole thing. It's uh, very informative, has a lot of practical things. And I'm glad that he went very practical with this step. He says, uh, when when the Bible mentions about taking it to the church, uh, uh, Jesus certainly is not talking about interrupting the Sabbath morning worship service with an issue of personal conflict. And I put exclamation points right next to that is the church board, the leaders, the leaders that have been appointed by the church in large to lead the church. So it is the church board. So contain it, you know, try to contain it as much as possible because the lesson points out correctly, you know, people are friends and what, you know, that, that can be right, that person, I know that person and then the church becomes fragmented, you know, have you ever heard of a church splitting over things like this, people taking sides, Um, What what God wants is what this whole lesson is about, oneness in Christ. So I wrote down some some things around that periphery equation. And it's interesting how Jesus finishes, right? If the church, if after the, the person is approached by the church members, Jesus says, then let that person be to you as the Gentile or the tax collector. And under the word Gentile, I put right beneath it, the centurion. Remember that centurion from Luke chapter 7 that came to Jesus with that sick servant? Um, Jesus did not reject Gentiles. He was actually eager, eagerly waiting for him to be able to uh, remove the prejudice and the the racism and all the misconceptions of what God meant, you know, about being separate to the world and put the emphasis on, but he told Abraham, I'm going to make you a blessing to all nations. He, he was longing for the day where his people would be ready to be that blessing for all nations. Uh, that doesn't happen until the, the book of Acts. So Jesus um, needed to go at the pace of his people. So in the tax collector, beneath that phrase, I put Zacchaeus. You know, as I look at this equation, um, as the, the conflict escalates, Right, And everybody is being brought in to bring reconciliation. I'm not bringing the elders to, hey, you got to pr- prove that brother wrong. You got to make sure that sister recognizes they're in the wrong. That's not the point. That's not the goal of doing this. If after all these processes have failed, to treat someone as the Gentile or as the tax collector means you start from scratch. You start from the, the bare bottom because I, I wrote some other things, right? Um, We are continuing the theme of yesterday with wound care, right? Forgiveness. It causes wounds. The reason you need forgiveness is because there's been a wound created and that's what happens between brothers and sisters. If a brother sins, wounds you, there's that. Um, Wounds should hurt. I'm going to say that again. Wounds should hurt, but not always. And when we read this Matthew 18, it's uncomfortable. We're not comfortable with accountability and by the climate of our church at large we're not comfortable with corporate institutional accountability that's quite evident and i believe that that is just human nature it doesn't justify it it's wrong but it's just how it is we we don't like to be held accountable but we should we should recognize it for what it really is um we misunderstand it and then resist it and fight against it. I want to read a, a book, a verse um, that I've actually memorized. It's Proverbs chapter 27, uh, verse 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. You know, we're not talking about, the when it says faithful are the wounds of a friend, we're not, you know, I don't want to confuse you. These Uh, wounds of a friend are the equivalent of you know there's a wound of a bullet right someone shot you and there's a bullet inside of you and we need to take that bullet out so a surgeon will bring a knife and carefully only make as much incision as necessary so that the instrumentation can get to the bullet and, and create as minimal to no damage, no further damage, in the process of extracting the bullet. That bullet is the wound of sin. But that scalpel is the wound of a friend. The the desire is for that wound to heal. And accountability is that wound. And in Matthew 18, this is the the scalpel wound of, I want the bullet out, I want the, the arrow with the poison tip out because it's, it's going it's to make the whole body toxic. We need to reconcile this between you and us or the whole church is going to suffer eventually from this, right? We talked about sepsis yesterday. And sepsis simply is when a wound is not cared for properly, an infection sets in and eventually that infection carries itself into the blood, the blood of the body. And once that happens, the life of the person really, truly hangs in the balance. It's a very, very delicate situation to be in. So this Matthew 18 is an uncomfortable process naturally uh, because it brings the element of loving accountability. And it just dawned on me. This person, right, when we say start from scratch, um, this person has not listened to the loving entreaties of a brother or sister truly wanting reconciliation and assuming right that the person came with the right spirit they fasted they prayed and in spite of that this person just hardened their hearts um so they didn't listen to at the the two on two level right one on one level um they, they did not care right i don't care what you say so you bring elders and this person instead of seeing this as a Uh, wanting truly to bring reconciliation is also so so you got your cronies now right also you guys are against me you know I see how it is they're totally misunderstanding what the intention is mind you assuming that both the person and the elders they've searched their hearts they've asked God to purify them they've spent time in prayer they spent time in heart search and searching the scriptures it makes a difference and actually you know I think that doing that many times you would see the power of God melting hearts, the power of God bringing that which our words are incapable. No matter how you try to explain to someone, Paul tells us in Ephesians, right? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So Matthew 18 is not how, you know, you you would do this at Ford. Um, You would not do this at Apple or Google or Kmart or whatever business, Kroger's. You know, they, they don't follow Matthew 18 in the sense that Jesus wants us to be followed. Matthew 18 needs to be approached with that idea. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The, the enemy, the arch deceiver, the accuser of the brethren will want to possess and occupy the thoughts so that the, the motives and the behaviors of other people, of this brother, this sister wanting to reconcile it with me, Satan doesn't want that. So if that person is not praying, if that person is you know, in their hearts, this is a huge serious battle and the only way to overcome it the bible tells us is not by might it's not by power but by my spirit this is a deeply spiritual work matthew 18 cannot be taken lightly as in like all right i'll talk to so-and-so and i guess if if he doesn't want to budge i'll bring the elders and if he doesn't want to no 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 have you fasted Are you taking this serious do you think that you can explain away the misunderstanding with just your words you can't what you can effectively do is make a bigger mess because the more you try in your own efforts to explain and justify and defend yourself is make the wound bigger make the wound worse so when (laughs) going back to the assumption that Uh, people are are engaging this with the ephesians 6 mindset right this is a spiritual battle we're not fighting this sister we're not fighting against this brother we are wrestling with spiritual forces that try to whisper and influence our thoughts if this person doesn't listen to the person the elders or the church you know that's called insensitivity numbness soul numbness spooky soul numbness actually if they're not listening to church elders and church board members that are weeping and crying, saying, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, we love you. We, we regret that things have gotten to this level. But we want you to be part of the body. We want you to be reconciled. Let's pray. And the person is resisting and, and being stubborn. That's a very heartbreaking thing. And it should hurt. Wounds should hurt. And it should hurt that person too. And if it doesn't hurt that person, it is evidence of a deep spiritual illness. The idea of, I don't care, do what you want. <laughs> that speaks of soul numbness. And that is not a place where you and I want to be at. It's, it allows for careless, intentional, careless, cruel words, threats, all these things being said. No one is beyond hope. But God does not force. And so when Jesus tells us, let this person be like the Gentile, like the tax collector, he's not telling us to treat these individuals as his people treated Gentiles and tax collectors. He wants us to treat these individuals as Jesus treated Gentiles and tax collectors. How did Jesus treat the Samaritan woman at the well? He started very basic from scratch. How did he start with tax collectors? You know, he started bare minimum. He met them where they were. And so in essence is maybe this person needs to experience conversion all over again. In fact, the way that I've described it, for sure this person needs to experience conversion once again. There has been a a hardening of the heart towards the Spirit of God. Um, I would not venture to say, I would never even hint that the idea that someone has committed the unpardonable sin is a very different thing than backsliding to the point where you need reconversion. Um, we do believe that God gives us freedom of choice. And though I would not, again, say you can lose your salvation over one issue. Um, I can't tell you when someone has reached that point that they need to be reconverted again. Um, and maybe it it takes a lot longer, right? Uh, maybe this is just a, a temporary phase hopefully that but that it is if it's persistently held on to, it could lead to me losing my salvation. Does doesn't mean that I'm eternally lost and there's no opportunity to return it certainly is but you don't want I don't want to find myself in that place. Wounds should hurt and what I mean by wounds is, I no longer have fellowship with sister so-and-so. That should hurt. Brothers so-and-so don't talk like we used to. That should hurt. I should not allow soul numbness to capture, to become comfortable with that. I'm going to switch gears here before I get too long in this podcast. Um, how, how to prevent all of this, right? How do how can all of us make sure? Now, because we know we read Matthew 18 as, well, I'm gonna be the one seeking to reconcile. Well, what if you're the one that is being approached? You know, how can I make sure that I am willing? If someone says, Hey, Ariel, you said this or hey, you you said that, you sinned against me, that you know, my armor doesn't go up and say, What are you talking about? I ain't never wounded you, I've never sinned against you. Who do you think you are? How can I make sure that I have heart sensitivity at that point, that if I were to hear someone say to me, you wounded me, that statement would hurt me in a healthy way. Wounds should hurt. And, you know, you, you've probably gone to the doctor, and hopefully you have gone to the doctor at some point in your life, especially if you're an adult. And one of the cool things that I used to love when I was little, and I guess I still do when I go and get my checkup now, is when they check reflexes, right? Squeeze my fingers, do this, do that. But the one that I loved the most was when they would take this little metal uh, handle with that triangle at the top. You know what I'm talking about, right? This little triangular thing. Um, and they would ask you to just relax your legs. They would be bent, hanging over the bed, the examination table. And they would doop, tap you right beneath the kneecap and as a child you think magically boom, the leg kicks up whoa it kind of tickles you know you didn't mean to do that and then they go boom they tap the other one and then once you discover that I mean you can't tap you can't wait to share that with the guys at the playground and then everybody's you know doing a karate chop to their knees at playgrounds you know trying to get their knees to, <laughs> to kick. Um, why does that happen? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why does that happen? It's a reflex. Yes, we call it a reflex, but why, right? Well, there's, there's a long muscle. It's actually, you have a quadratus, uh, your quads. Uh, there's four big muscles in your thigh, in the front of it, you know, for, for kicking and for lifting. Uh, they're one of the biggest, largest muscles in, in your, your body. And uh, there's one that runs from a little bone in your hip all the way down across your thigh and over the kneecap and attaches to the bone beneath the kneecap and of course the muscle stops below before above the kneecap and what continues is the tendon muscles attach to bones by tendons and bones attached to bones by ligaments so this tendon um, goes over your kneecap and attaches itself to the tibia right below and that little when you bend it, there's a little bit of tendon there between the kneecap and the bone beneath it, the tibia. And um, when you tap it, when you abruptly stretch it, it causes the muscle to abruptly stretch unexpectedly. Boom! There's this little pull. Muscle tissue, with through the nervous system, have a built-in mechanism to prevent muscle tears. Whenever a muscle is um, unexpectedly abruptly stretched, to prevent muscle tears, it contracts involuntarily as a protective mechanism. So when the doctor taps you there, it's just to measure to make sure that you're sensitive, that your reflexes are sensitive. That little tap should cause your muscle to think, hey, something's happened, right? There's a sudden muscle uh, stretching here, and I don't want a tear. I don't want a wound to happen in the body, so I'm going to contract. As a reflex of prevention, I'm going to contract, and boom, your leg goes up in the air. Of course, your doctor is not going to harm you, but he just wants to see if if that protective mechanism is at play. And if it's at play there, it's at play in all your other muscles as well, hopefully. So that is why you have this reflex, it's just sensitivity, sensitivity to potential wounds, potential tearing. You know, we can experience and we should this, you know, regular checkups that we do with our doctors, the church has that. And of course, Jesus is a physician, yes, but when do we go for regular checkups, right? Because we do the same thing over and over throughout the year. I believe that throughout the year, it's healthy for a church to have something called weeks of prayer. Weeks of prayer are unique. They're very intense spiritual enca- engagements, very intense spiritual occasions. And we should, as is as, 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 as possible, right, with all the many things that we have in our church, we should take at least a weekend or a week, if possible, for a week of prayer. Uh, we have our church worldwide. Uh, Next year, 2019, from January 9th through January 19th, we are invited to join the rest of the world church for 10 days of prayer. Those 10 days are, of course, biblically pulled out from the book of Acts. Uh, Jesus was with his disciples for 40 days. And after he went to heaven on day 40, 10 days later, Pentecost came. But in that interim, the disciples were continually in prayer. So it is our Humble approaching God and saying, Lord, baptize us afresh with the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that gives us sensitivity. So that when wounds begin to want to take place, our reflexes are so in tune with the Spirit of God that we reflexively, we, we, we instinctively react with everything possible to prevent wounds and tears. To happen in the body, um, prayer vigils, prayer fastings, prayer retreats—all of these things are like regular body checkups. That I mean, it's, it's a limited illustration because you know, if, if I go there and the, the, the doctor is tapping on my knee and my leg's not moving anywhere, all he'll be able to do is identify a lack of reflex sensitivity, but he can't do anything really right there and then. But when I go to these prayer retreats, prayer vigils. Um, weeks of prayer well, as you and I engage because I'm praising the Lord you know we have some members that are actively preparing even now for those that those 10 days of prayers so that our entire church you listening to this will commit to being a part of that experience and I'm thinking Kiran and and Frank and Linda and Joyce and Monroe with myself all of us together and the many others that will join in so that the entire church can not just simply see how our reflexes are but have them retuned recalibrated resensitized to the way we should be many of the fragments and the wounds that happen within the body happen because of insensitivity we see a brother and a sister fighting we i mean i'm going to ask you right now right how are your reflexes i'm going to read a paragraph it's a powerful quote from a book called gospel workers by ellen white it's from page 499 it's at the bottom of thursday's lesson it's powerful you should read it as well by yourself underline things that stick out to you i am pretty much 90 percent of it it says this do not suffer resentment and suffer is an old english word that just means allow do not allow resentment to ripen into malice do not allow resentment to ripen into malice. And the, the, the next of the phrases, at least for me as a medical, former medical practitioner, um, speaks loudly. Do not allow the wound to fester and break out in poisoned words. It sounds like sepsis. Which taints the minds of those who hear. It spreads. That's what sepsis does. That's what infection does. It spreads. Do not allow the wound to fester and break out in poison words. Do not allow bitter thoughts to continue to fill your mind and his. Go to your brother, your sister, and in humility and sincerity, talk with him or her about the matter. Wow. That paint Matthew 18 in a fresh brand new life for me and I hope for you too because I have a question for you how are your reflexes how are your reflexes when these words come across your ears or when these thoughts right bitter thoughts continue to fill your mind what do you do with those bitter thoughts with resentment do I allow it to fester do not allow the wound to fester because it will break out in poison words which taint the minds of those who hear. Wounds should hurt us but lead us to desire healing not further wounds. Amen? So Thursday's lesson is rich. I've just scratched the surface. I hope that you will spend time thinking about all of these things. These are not just nice insights. I believe that these are experiences that God is bringing into my life, into my consciousness to lead me to be an agent of healing and unity in my church. I believe this is why you are also listening to this. So that Satan will not deceive us into being agents of division, dissension, and fragmentation. We are so easily drawn into that direction. My prayer is, Lord, search my heart. Help me, heal me. I don't want resentment. I don't want uh, this wound to fester. I don't want to taint other people's minds with poison words. Uh, Heal me, Lord. Heal me through the blood of your son. Claiming the promise of Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed. Take me to the cross so that I can experience healing in my wounds, and I may be an agent of healing for the church. I also pray that for you.